Good morning, church family. Will you recite the creed with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day He arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And the church said, Amen. So the Apostles' Creed begins not with, I work, I labor, I earn, or I try. Rather, I believe. The removal of sin's barrier between us and God, redemption, forgiveness, adoption, all these come by grace through faith. But we're not talking about faith in faith. Rather, we're talking about faith in objective truth. And the Apostles' Creed summarizes the objective core truths of Christianity. The Creed is organized by the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Spirit. And certain phrases need to be clarified like Catholic, It originally meant global or worldwide. And then that phrase, he descended into hell. That means he descended to the domain of the dead. In other words, Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. There is no place where Christ does not have authority. And because of this, the creed is both our pledge of allegiance to the God of the Bible, and it's an act of defiance against the false gods of this world. To recite the creed is to reject the idolatry of materialism, relativism, and individualism. We reject the story of our culture and instead embrace the true story of God in Christ. The creed is the solid rock to build our lives upon so that when the storms come and we're in one, we'll be safe. Safety is not a life absent from storms. Rather, it's a life on solid ground. And Jesus is our solid ground. So would you please turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11. And today we consider that portion of the Apostles' Creed, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The scripture says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. So for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus Christ showed himself to his followers. And then he departed uh, from this earthly realm and stepped into the heavenly realm. And once there, he was exalted and seated at the right hand of his father. 
In Philippians 2.9, Paul uses ascension language. Paul says, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And then Colossians 3.1 says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Oh, and what about Hebrews 4.14? Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession the ascension. Now, some wonder, did this really happen? I mean, did a peasant Galilean become a cosmic Star Trek, Star Wars rocket man traveling to a galaxy far, far away where no man has gone before? You know, like Toy Stories, Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. That's not in Luke's mind. Luke is documenting eyewitness testimony. He's recording what witnesses say they saw, and I believe. But given that, Why would Jesus even leave? If the foundation of Christianity is the resurrection of Christ, why would the most important piece of evidence leave earth just before the grand opening at Pentecost? I mean, wouldn't it make more sense for Christ to stay? If people have doubts, then we can say, well, go to Jerusalem and see for yourself. It just feels like the ascension is just bad strategy. Well, here's the big idea. It's great strategy. Look up. Stop looking up and look ahead. There it is. Look up, stop looking up, and look ahead. First, look up. Look up at your king, your priest, your future. Look up at your king. I mean, the words look up teach us about Jesus' royal identity. In the United Kingdom, when the queen ascends to the throne, she literally climbs the steps to the royal chair. To ascend means to be coronated uh, with all the power and authority necessary to rule. The ascension is a declaration of status more than a determination of location. The ascension is the enthronement of Jesus. It's about the one who is the true and rightful king, who takes his rightful place as the supreme ruler of heaven and earth, visible and invisible, private and public. Jesus is not merely a spiritual king whose jurisdiction is limited to private religious matters. He declared, all authority has been given to me. And the powers from Washington, D.C. to Moscow to Beijing, they belong to an order that is passing away. And they will one day bow before the one true emperor, Jesus. When I'm practicing, faith as if Jesus secretly stole away, not wanting to be a bother taking the service elevator up to heaven. No, the ascension does not teach us to hunker down with Jesus in our hearts until we can take that great elevator ride to the sky. No, verse 9 says, and the cloud took him out of their sight. What's that? Well, you've got to go back to Moses and his ascent to Mount Sinai. He entered a cloud, a cloud that covered him as he went into the presence of God. That's Exodus 24:15. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. So the cloud is not a spaceship. The cloud is the very presence of God. Jesus stepped from this dimension to the heavenly dimension, into his Father's presence. And you may say, well, why can't I do that by myself? Well, you can't barge into Buckingham Palace. It's sacred space. You need an invitation. You need a go-between. You need a priest. And Jesus entered the heavenly realm for you. He's your king. 
Look up to him and look up to him as your priest, your royal priest. Jesus is in the presence of the Father mediating for us, bearing our name. He's the sign, the pledge, the guarantee that we belong in the presence of God. Romans 8.34 says that Christ Jesus raised to life is at the right hand of God and he's also interceding for us right now where we are. Jesus is praying for us. Anybody discouraged? Jesus is praying. Weary? Jesus is praying. Anybody had their plans changed? Anybody doubting God's goodness? Anybody overwhelmed with their past? Jesus is praying for you, for us. Listen, our man is in heaven, the God-man, our proxy. Our presence before God is as certain as Christ's presence is before God. And our voices are heard in heaven because Jesus' voice is heard in heaven. And our salvation is secure as long as Christ is in heaven. Look up to our king. Look up to our priest. And look up to our future. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, the risen Jesus, the Jesus who was witnessed by over 500. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a resuscitated corpse. No, there was something different about his resurrection body. He had hands, feet, a face, a voice, a body. He could eat, but it was it's a transfigured, transcendent, transphysical body. I mean, it could appear and disappear through locked doors. It was a body whose face could be veiled, and it's a body at home in both heaven and earth. Listen, Jesus did not peel off his body and then kind of uh, uh, flit away to heaven as a spirit. No, he is enfleshed. It's glorious. And one day ours will be like his. That's what Paul says. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Philippians 3 21 and 20, uh, 20 and 21. Oh, church family, look, look at the king, look at the priest, and look at your future. Can you imagine a body uh, that will continue to grow strong? Can you imagine a body that keeps exploring, a mind that keeps learning? First Kings 4 9 says that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore. Solomon was a poet a theologian, a lyricist, a biologist, a botanist, a zoologist. Imagine where you will keep growing and learning. You will never be all-knowing in the new heavens and the new earth, but you will be ever learning. So look up, see your king, see your priest, and see your future. John says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears... We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Church family, look up. Look up. After you're done, stop looking up. That's what verse 10 is about. While they were gazing. Well, of course they were gazing. They saw a portal to another dimension. I'm thinking about C.S. Lewis's wardrobe in the Chronicles of Narnia, this gateway to another world. The apostles gazed when suddenly angels interrupted. Hey, gentlemen, right here. Verse 11. Men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It's a mild rebuke. It's as if uh, there's a danger that the disciples will just get stuck about the times and dates of the coming kingdom. It'll happen. It'll happen in God's time. But for now, Jesus wants us serving, sharing, writing, thinking, relating, singing, worshiping, because he has ascended. He wants us working, researching, teaching, building, healing, resting. He wants us in finance, in medicine, in education, in business, married or not, single or not, parents or not. He is our proxy in heaven, and by his Spirit's power, we are his proxy on earth. The ascension calls us to look up to Jesus and then stop looking up because the mission of Christ has now become our mission right now. Right now, he wants us to get creative about being a city on a hill. He wants us to be the eye of the storm. He wants us to bring peace into whatever chaos we enter. Christ's kingdom will not advance like worldly kingdoms. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A frantic nation does not need a frantic church. The power we have is from on high. And it is the power to love, to forgive, to be courageous. Listen, our current crisis has stripped us of what we've grown accustomed to. Ascension living reminds us that any power to live for Christ must come from Christ. In Galatians 2.20, Paul states, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hear me, church. Do we need any courage these days? to live out our faith? If not, can we say that we're actually following the ascended Jesus? Look up. Stop looking up. And now look ahead. Look ahead, church family. And why? Because ultimately God is working good in all things for those who love him. One author put it this way. When suffering enters your door, When you are grieving loss, when you are dealing with unexpected disappointment, where do you look for hope? Where do you turn to when you're in a situation that you never thought you'd be in and you can't change? What gets you up in the morning when you have to deal with the things that you have no desire to face? Where do you run when people have failed you and God seems impossible to understand? What gets you through life when life quits being easy or enjoyable. And you may not even be the one suffering, but you are near someone who is. So what comfort do you offer them? Our comfort is that while we slept last night, the King of creation, this Jesus, was at work subduing his enemies. And he's continuing to rule. And he's still at it when you woke up this morning. And even now as we worship, And that is the outrageous claim of the ascension. You might be quarantined, but the gospel is not. Paul suffered a two-year-long stay-at-home order while awaiting trial in Rome. 
He was chained to a Roman guard. That poor Roman guard, he didn't stand a chance against the great Apostle Paul. I mean, every time someone new guarded Paul, Paul shared the gospel with him from his apartment over a two-year period. And over that time, Paul gave us the letters to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians, the letter to Philemon. How is this possible? The ascension. The ascension. Church family, our king lives. And Christ's kingdom will not advance by Roman legions. The tip of a spear can never change a human heart. Only the sword of the gospel can. And Christ's kingdom advances wherever his word is shared. And church family, find a way to share the word. The king lives. Our king lives. Look up. Stop looking up. Look ahead. The best is yet to come. And the church said, let me hear you. Amen. Amen.